Welcome to Programmatics, a podcast about programmatic advertising. Each week, we dig into the magic and mysteries of the ad ops industry. I'm your host, Alicia Rosen. Joining me today is Emily Palmer to discuss some pretty seismic changes in the ad tech industry and where 2021 will take us. So today we'll map out some trends to keep an eye on through the end of this year and next year. So thanks for joining me today, Emily. Of course, yeah, figured I could squeeze you in. (laughs) So I know you started your career in 2000 as Silicon Valley was becoming, you know, the superstar of technology. Do you wanna share with us a bit about how you got started and your experience? Oh, yes. Well, thank you for doing your research on me. <laughs> I was I was just thinking about how it's kind of a milestone year in, in my career because I graduated 20 years ago. And uh, yeah, so I studied journalism and advertising at, at university. So um, these are passionate areas for me. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, then I so I started my career agency side at Saatchi and Saatchi and um, I, I was one of the, the early people working in digital advertising uh, and then the dot-com crash happened um, so funny enough I moved to print ad sales so I have digital and print background mm-hmm. uh, but then I went back into digital in 2006 and uh, worked for a couple of ad networks uh, and then programmatic uh, was taking off and I moved into ad tech and programmatic um, pretty early on in, in programmatic scene um, 2011 and yeah then I worked um, uh, for a couple of tech companies and a couple of publishers mm-hmm. and so I've been on different sides of the table which um, I mean, I, I love learning about different perspectives and things. So actually consulting has been good for me. I've really enjoyed it since 2018, working with kind of all of the different sides, marketers, publishers, and tech vendors. Right, great. So, you know, I'm not sure any year has been quite like 2020. <laughs> in your opinion, you know, what is the biggest change in the industry that 2020 has brought and maybe, you know, how do you think that it'll actually evolve? Oh, God. I mean, besides, <laughs> besides the ridiculous extra challenges put on our industry because of the pandemic, um, the, two, the two standout areas for me are, uh, of course, the, the Chrome announcement around deprecating of the third-party cookies. So what I'm seeing is this year, publishers are really focusing on laying the foundation, uh, you know, building out better first-party data, making sure it's all compliant. Um, so obviously, DMPs and even consent management platforms aren't new, but uh, I think there's more focus on you know, building out more robust first party data, like CRM uh, data, uh, you know, through site registrations or subscriptions and commerce, uh, you know, publishers diversifying their their revenue streams 
and that all feeds into their data assets as well. So, um, I mean, basically next year the heat is on because uh, as we all know, early 2022 is the deadline for um, mm -hmm. uh, the cookie deprecation. So that's, uh, yeah, I would say that's kind of been the, the biggest thing on everyone's mind. Um, but there is also, especially because of the news this week, I, you know, um, the big four and antitrust is mm -hmm. the other one that really stands out to me. And, you know, the, uh, in the U.S., the, the Department of Justice just filed a lawsuit um, just this week. So uh, obviously the European Commission and, and uh, various regulators have already been hot on the topic of, you know, monopolistic tendencies. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, uh, beyond opening investigations and, and fines in Europe, I think because these tech companies, the big four, are out of the U.S., mm -hmm. the fact that the U.S. Congress is pursuing them, it's a game changer. So, um, I mean, most of us are watching it closely, I think. Um, Definitely. You know, especially, especially Google and Facebook because of their share of the digital ad revenue and how they control entire ecosystems hugely affects publishers especially um, so it'll be interesting to see you know if uh, for example if google is forced to or or preemptively kind of decides to sell off their ad tech business mm -hmm. you know that could you know create lots of opportunity for you know other um other suppliers to step in and innovate yeah, I think it's definitely something that we're kind of all sitting on the edge of our seats, kind of waiting uh, to see how it'll unfold, definitely. So, you know, there's been so many other major trends that have been sweeping the industry. And I'm really curious to know, let's say if there's two or three or three or four, you know, that are really have caught your eye and your attention, that you'll also be following through the end of the new year. I mean, it feels like it's all about data, <laughs> which... I mean, I, I, I do a lot of work in data actually, so it's, um, it's probably just extra interesting to me, but I think that all of, uh, you know, um, my peers, I, th I think of all of my the industry colleagues as peers, uh, no matter which side of the table they're on really, but I think that the ID challenge, you know, is kind of created the the hottest company kind of list, you know, th these are ID vendors, uh, ID solutions. Um, so I, I think that some of them will probably be acquired fairly soon. Um, definitely next year, but I think even in the next six months, just because all the preparation um, around the end of third party cookies. So um, yeah, and I think that there's, also efficiencies on the, the publisher side. I'd love to see more combination platforms. I mean, obviously the, the big, uh, you know, the big kind of MarTech vendors have these um, building block type uh, products that you can, uh, you know, find, find more efficiencies if you use all of them kind of thing. But for, for a lot of publishers, they don't need the huge, fancy, 
really expensive um, MarTech suites. But what I'd love to see is DMP plus CDP um, plus CMP. And I think probably anyone listening to this is likely to know what those stand for, but- Yeah, you wanna just break that down for anyone, maybe some newbies in the industry. <laughs> yeah, um, so data management platform, customer data platform, consent management platform, those combined with onboarding capabilities, uh, which are some of these ID solutions that are so hot right now. Um, I think it it's a lot for uh, a, a publisher, um, unless they're just a really huge publisher. I think there's a lot of premium publishers that aren't that huge in terms of ops teams, for example, they don't have whole data teams. So, you know, combined platforms that help simplify operations and reduce costs. I'd love to see more than that, um, more of that coming about. And I like to think it's not a pipe dream. I, th I think that we'll start to see more of that. Yeah. And you know, as your name is Emily Adwoman on your website, it's something I thought I'd bring up. You know, there's been some trends and a lot of talk and a lot of push for, you know, women, more women and inclusivity in the ad tech industry. So I just wanted to hear your thoughts on that. Um, and if there's any standout initiatives or companies that are, you know, really getting it right as far as kind of leading the charge. So I'd love to really hear your thoughts on that. Oh, yes, I, I am definitely <laughs> Emily Ad Woman and not Emily Ad Girl. Uh, <laughs> it's something that crossed my mind the other day because uh, someone called me a girl uh, in a professional context. But I thought... Um, no comment know, there. <laughs> <laughs> I know, some, like, my mother-in-law, who's obviously a different generation, thinks it's a compliment if, if people call women girls. <laughs> <laughs> and I try to explain not not in you know not in a lot of situations um, anyway so I think that a lot of us have heard of the the term mantle it's totally trending everyone hates a mantle but they still proliferate <laughs> you know <laughs> the mystery why mantles and all white panels uh, and uh, some people are saying manferences, you know, like we're just multiple panels or speakers. It's just all men. Um, it's really, uh, it, it, it catches the attention of a lot of uh, people and not just women or people of color, you know, there, there are just modern thinking people who are allies and want to see change and it's um you know it's it's the organizer's responsibility but i think it matters equally that the speakers ask about representation before they agree to participate um you know like we don't want to see more and more all white all male panels like that's the worst of the worst <laughs> um you know especially if there's an event with a lot of speaking opportunities there should be a lot of opportunities for, you know, different voices to be heard. So, um, you know, I'm not an expert on it. I don't right. um, specialize in events, but um, 
Uh, I know people who do, and they do say it's hard. So I get it. Um, you know, it's sometimes um, women are a little bit more hesitant to accept, or if you only have one person of color and they drop out, then you're you're left with an all white panel. Like, so it needs to be more than just. Sorry to use the term, but token. You don't want a token woman, and then if she doesn't show up, then it's back to a mammal. <laughs> so. Anyway, there's, there's all kinds of um, endeavors around this. I, one organization that I'm familiar with is called DICE. It's out of the UK. And that stands for Diversity and Inclusion at Conferences and Events. Um, so it's not just for the, the media industry, because I think it's an issue across industries. Um, you know, especially like I, I see a lot on like, science and, and technology um, having a similar issue. By the way, there's a Twitter handle uh, I totally recommend following, um, Mammal Watch US. <laughs> <laughs> um, and it's not just for US I mean, people, like I've seen um, tweets from India and all over the place. Um, but anyway, DICE, uh, they give advice and uh, you know, they, they have uh, links to resources that can help you find diverse speakers, for example. So uh, that their website is getdice.co.uk. Yeah, that's amazing because I think that we've kind of been waiting for, for change, but I don't think that there's some kind of actual movement happening that is really um, empowering women and really filling panels, you know, with with really diverse voices and so i'm really happy that you just shared that that resource thanks for that and you know to close out our chat um you know we've all in the industry kind of established that programmatic isn't going anywhere <laughs> for sure so how can uh as a consultant you know you're giving advice and you're trying to really empower publishers so What's some key advice? Uh, how can publishers not just brace for what's coming, but really get ahead of the curve of, you know, 2020, 2020 whoa, 2021 and what it brings? <laughs> Were you just getting ahead of yourself to 2022? I know I was, um, I don't even know what year it is. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. I mean, I think uh, it's so hard to be a, a publisher right now. Um, you know, they're, they're just, it, it, they're being hit from every angle imaginable. Um, you know, there's uh, the, the data piece and, and the, the big four, but really it's the duopoly still taking so much of the revenue off the table. And then there's users still using ad blockers. And then there's regulation. They have to be so careful about compliance. And, you know, they have to, they have to, they have so many lines they have to walk that, it's probably hard to, you know, think more mid to long term, but that's exactly what they need to do right now. So, um, some really clever businesses are doing stuff around uh, commerce, uh, like I mentioned. I think a, the most common thing is to think about, you know, is there an opportunity to um, further engage? our users, our readers or viewers or listeners <laughs> um, to, a, to a level where they're willing to register or maybe even further than that, they're willing to 
pay and, and subscribe. So I think there's so much testing to be done that, I mean, you really can't afford just to think short term because it's going to be so many iterations um, uh, of a strategy on building out your, your own ecosystem, you know, in terms of data and diversified revenue streams that, you know, I think that the, the smartest publishers are, um, you know, looking further down the road uh, and not just at the nearest term regulatory or uh, cookie deprecation kind of things. <laughs> All of this, of course, while they're facing, you know, redundancies and uh, constrained ad spend and things. So it's it's a lot. It's a lot to ask, but. Um, yeah, I think it's just uh, thinking, thinking big and keeping an eye on uh, what other markets are doing as well. Uh, definitely keeping an eye on what those uh, platforms are doing, um, you know, like around uh, uh, Google has news showcase, which they recently announced. So, um, you know, I think it's a I think it's a step in the right direction and, you know, Facebook news, they announced that like a year ago, but, um, you know, these, these kinds of initiatives could be a revenue stream. Yeah. <laughs> I think a lot of people are, um, you know, dubious about, about what the platforms are doing, but it has to be considered and, um, you know, keep an eye on, on, uh, what you see in other markets and with other, uh, verticals, for example, um, you know, more immersive ad experiences like what we're seeing in gaming. Mm -hmm. So many interesting things to keep an eye on, but it's it's all part of the, you know, thinking mid to long term and not just what's right in front of our nose, of course. Right. So I guess you just hit the nail on the head there that basically the biggest mistake uh, a publisher can make going into 2021 is thinking, you know, really short term. Um, mm -hmm. Is there any other standout, you know, mistakes that are warning full stop um, for publishers ahead of the new year besides thinking short term? Uh, I, I mean, I think they have to know what's going on in their own back garden or like their own, uh, their own walled garden, let's call it that. <laughs> um, you know, who, who's dropping cookies or using other storage on your users? Who's reselling your inventory? you know, who are you working with? Do you really know them? And I, I think that, uh, you know, a lot of publishers have already started to trim down their header bitter partners. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, I think, I think that's, I don't want to say par for the course, but I think that's part of housekeeping and knowing what's going on, protecting your own interests, your own uh, data, your own users. Um, so I think that's kind of a hygiene exercise. And, you know, um, it, I think publishers just need to decide who in the business owns that. Is that a whole special role or with more constrained uh, staff resources? Maybe that's a, a new responsibility for um, maybe even a junior member of the team, help them step up, for example. Mm -hmm. Definitely. Uh I'd love to see more transparency in the next year. Um, but overall, I'm just, I think both of us are really looking forward to seeing what 2021 brings. And thanks so much for all of your insight and thoughts today. I'm really glad that we had a chance to speak. And 
um, you know, we'll be looking towards the future together. <laughs> so thanks for joining yeah. me. Oh, good. I love this short and sweet format. Happy to do it anytime. <laughs> thanks, Alicia. Thanks for joining us today on Programmatics. I hope you loved today's show. Be sure to check out www.geoedge.com to see how we can empower your ad ops team. Bye for now.